Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. This morning, I, I don't know, I, I love the beginning of the year because it gives me an opportunity to bring to you what I, I believe are first words from the Lord. You know, the Jewish New Year is always in the beginning of autumn. It's always around the 1st of October, and I've learned to separate myself unto the Lord, especially going into that season, and listen to what he has to say. If, if we could see Jerusalem in heaven, we would, we would identify with God has a a plan that is predictable to his people there. In heaven, they know what's coming. They wake up with a knowing, and we can tap into that in our prayer life by asking the Lord in, in his timetable what's coming. And I've learned to do that. It's taken me 40 years to learn how to do that over time. And that God has a, a timetable that he wants to declare things to his people. Then uh, once he's done that, I begin to pray. Lord, how do I relate what you're revealing to your people? And along about the first of the year, I like to bring that. Sometimes I'll share a few little things leading up to it, which I have. It gives me pleasure to listen to, to other ministers that I revere saying the same things now. They do the same thing. They bring it public about the same time of the year, the beginning of the year, because it's our American tradition our fiscal year, because most people's lives revolve around uh, their earnings and the fiscal year and the tax year. We just tend to set the reset button spiritually then, but God sets it in October, just so you, so you know. There, there's a little lag. So we have time in our culture to really know what it is the Lord's saying by the time we hit the new year. Uh, we, we've dedicated the first six weeks of this year to a time of consecration, uh, many of our leaders came this morning, and instead of Sunday school or during the Sunday school hour, we were in the sanctuary praying. Anybody's welcome to, to join us in that, but I made a call on, on our leadership folks to do that because we're, we're consecrating ourselves to the vision. It isn't that, that God isn't speaking vision to living word. Uh, he's spoken so much into my heart, I have to prioritize and know what it is saying to do and choose the focus points. Before I choose the focus points, I want to know what is the, the what what is Jesus' focus points? See, there's two ways. I, I want to want to demonstrate something about your life this morning to understand you have basically two big areas of life. One is the temporal life or the life that we're living now on the earth. The second we understand is eternal life, most of which we experience in eternity with him. But while we're here on the earth, if we give ourselves more to spiritual things, we move more into an eternal direction with our life. That's what we mean when, when the scripture teaches that we put God first. We are saying rather than wait until heaven to enter eternal life, I'm going to adopt heaven's priorities while I'm here. It means that we will put God's plan over our plan. Now, God blesses us in both spheres, both realms. Jesus saw to that when he rose from the dead. He gave us a way to access the authority that, that we have in our place in heaven to pray things into the earth. So many times in our life, we focus our, our prayers on what we need to receive from heaven, what we need to receive from God or receiving the promises of God that are in his word. And that's one way we pray is how God wants to and has already blessed us. But when we shift to an eternal perspective, we are praying about how our life can bless God. And there's a difference. And if we're not careful, the two compete and there will be a winner and a loser. The winner, if Jesus is our Lord, and the word Lord in Scripture consistently means master, and even more importantly, controller, if he's our master controller, then our prayer should more be about how can my life bless God, knowing that if we do that, then he will see to it that he blesses our life while we're here. And that's the principle of the first fruits or putting God first. 
So today I want to challenge you as we enter into this season to ask the Lord to reveal to you how it is in your life you can be more a blessing to God. Because when he begins to answer that prayer, you will see his blessing come more and more into your everyday temporal life. See, he gives us the desires of our heart, but we're to be careful what those desires are. If our first desire is for him, that puts him first in our desire stream. And I found that when I do that, when I look after God's business first, he gives me a lot of liberty in my desires and what to pray for and what to ask for and what he'll do in my life. I've seen it again and again and again. Now, today I don't have time to share a whole lot of little stories. I, I want to share some scripture with you. I've prayed that God will begin to reveal over this six weeks this principle to your heart in how we really put him first. You know, we, we learn little bits and pieces in the scripture. Well, I put him first when I pray before I eat. I put him first when I give him of my tithe. I put him first when I honor God with the first moments of my morning. And those are all ways we honor him. But putting him first means we first look for his agenda. And then we decide, do I want to focus on that or not? appreciate the focus point. I, I didn't share my notes, but with the, the, the pastors this morning, I didn't send them out to anybody else. And uh, Jill said, Pastor, I've got an exhortation. And she told me a snippet about it. I said, that fits. It's good. It'll really fit the day. Why? Because it, I, I'm not so much ministering 2020 vision to you. I mean, that's kind of the obvious thing. That's what many are turning to in this season. But I want to look beyond what I can see with my natural eyes. See, when we give God opportunity to reveal something to us by asking, then he does. If we don't ask for that, then we'll be moved entirely by what we see. And I don't care what it is, what we see is temporal. That means it's existing in the moment that our flesh is in. But things that are eternal are things that we see before they, they are revealed to our natural eyes, before we live them. Scripture says we can have whatever we say. The reason or the way we get to do that is we, we can have whatever we say because we know it's God's will because he's revealed it. And I want you to live in a richer place than ever before in this year in the revealed will of God. And what I mean by that is to have something God has shown you that connects you so deeply with his plan that you keep looking at that saying, God, I'm going to do that for you this year. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a part of what you're doing in the earth in this way. And when we do that, we have a, a sense of joy and a sense of liberty, a sense of accomplishment that, that is unparalleled. This has been a year for most people that, that were of a spiritual bent or given to spiritual things to be feel so pulled, so distracted, so... Uh, beat on. <laughs> so attacked is a word a lot of people use. Such a tough year in so many ways that our attention was drawn in so many different directions. Even things in ministry seemed to be extra demanding. It just seemed like there were so many demands. Whenever life starts to feel out of balance that way, it's because we have given a little too much attention to natural things and we are becoming too, too much of a, a responder rather than a proactor. And what I mean by that is, if we're not careful, life will demand we live a certain way instead of God's plan showing us how to live. And we keep steering back. I have to choose constantly. I'm going to keep first things first. And you have to do the same thing. But our first of all first things is our first fruit or the reason God put us here in what we do for him. Now, for years, for, for 40 years probably of, of my life, I didn't know very much about what he wanted from me. I saw what the scripture said I had received from him. And I learned to believe that I receive what God promises me and I, I begin to have it in my life. And that's the life of faith that most people learn is to learn how to receive from God what Jesus has promised through the word by faith. But there is a faith of the Lord Jesus that's one better than that. And it's to understand that the life that I now live 
is the life that is hidden with Christ in God. And if I ask him, he'll reveal to me why I'm here in the first place. How I fit into God's plan, how I bless God instead of focusing my life on God blessing me. So the faith message really is, is, is more far-reaching than most people imagine. When we focus on God blessing us, we miss the boat, spiritually speaking. We go after the benefits of our salvation instead of understanding we're under contract, we're in a covenant with the Lord, and what he most wants is for us to desire the same thing he desires. It took me years to find out what that even was. Now, we can't help it being in the world having some competition for our attention. But understand there are two masters in the earth, and if we're not careful, our desires will be all about temporal things instead of looking beyond the temporary or the moment. God, what do you want? So I, I would call today the, the, the beginning of this series uh, to, to identify whether we are nearsighted or whether we have far-reaching vision. You know, because we're not going to get far without having far-reaching vision. It means that we have to reach far for what we see. What does that mean? We see something that God has. We don't know how in the world we're going to achieve that. And then when we look at our nearsighted vision in our temporal life, we say, I sure don't see how it's going to happen. We look at all the competition for time, all the competition for resources, all the competition to, to just make things work in this natural life. And we say, God, if you will help me, then I will turn around and do this for you. And what he's after is the God kind of faith. God, I will do this for you, believing you're going to take care of me. And we flip our priorities. So I want to tell you, you can live however you want to. Jesus has made a way to bless you. He wants to bless your temporal life, but he says the greater riches are to understand how the kingdom of God works by putting him first. When we put him first, as I say this commonly, when we put him first, he will bless the rest. So rather than look at that as a, a financial picture, really it's a life picture. It's a life principle that we can have so much more in our relationship with Jesus. So I, I want to prompt you in this season to begin praying about that. For years, I didn't know how to achieve that. And I remember uh, the, the Lord teaching me through several different, several different ministries through the years. When I don't know how to do that in myself, I find somebody who does and I connect with their ministry. And I find something that they are doing or saying, a piece of their, their work that I identify with. For, for me, for years, it was, it was certain things in missions, certain things in meetings, certain things in ministry that I would especially want to hook up with in whatever church we were attending. We moved. We moved around quite a bit. So what I did in ministry depended on what the church offered, and I connected with it somewhere. The only real pathway you will have to understanding your own ministry is to first connect with and serve with someone else. So many times people try to do it on their own. What happens is you get your ministry, but it isn't Jesus' ministry for you. You get something else. So I want to caution you, rather than try to put the cart before the horse, let the horse lead. The horse being the Holy Spirit, okay? That's kind of a weird connotation, a weird connection. But, you know, he wants to pull the cart rather than, than be behind the cart walking. So when we ask God to bless our plan, we have made a temporal plan. When we ask God his plan and then we are overwhelmed, he will bless his plan. We don't have to ask him. He automatically does it. So whenever we feel stymied in life, it's probably because the cart's out there before the horse. The Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us into all truth, not follow up on what we declare it to be. So, so many times people get caught up in, uh, God's going to meet all the desires of my heart. Hmm. That word heart is, is a big word. It really means your inward man. Now, God speaks to your inward man. He tells you, not your intellect. He tells your heart on the inside, your spirit, what it is he wants. And you'll identify with it as truth. So many times in my life, and I share this not because I, I'm proud of it, but because it's a common thing to man, the cart gets before the horse because we, we see all this activity around us and all the demands in life just some days makes you fall in line with getting a bunch of stuff done. 
But we have to look at the whole picture sometimes to say, now, am I serving another master or am I serving the Lord Jesus? Because uh, we can evaluate that for ourselves better than anybody else can. So this morning, as we consider scripture, I, I want to talk about open vision a little bit because we're, we're in a season, and this is something I was aware of in September, and I started teaching that at the table, talking about it so that, that staff and leaders would begin to pray. We're, we're in a season where there's been no open vision into the body of Christ. Now, we're breaking out of that season, and I'm going to tell you how to do that. An open vision in the Old Testament was what God had proclaimed over his people, Israel, that would be the overarching truth that they were to use to guide their lives. When, when they were coming out of Egypt, it was the fact that they were going into the promised land more than they were coming out of Egypt. But it took them 40 years to get a hold of the overarching plan of what God wanted in his will, and a whole generation fell in the wilderness and never saw the promise. They heard it, but they didn't get to do it. They didn't get to do it because they didn't put first God's overarching plan that they were going into the promised land. Instead, they kept thinking about coming out of Egypt and what they missed. For us, we want to be careful to major on what's ahead and not what's behind. We want to major on what God has, has made a promise to us and understand why. We're not going into the land just so we can be blessed with the milk and honey, even though he promised that. We're going in to establish his covenant for a nation. We're going in to establish his covenant for our families. We're going in and establish his covenant, his work in the earth, so that the, the glory of God can be seen upon his church. Jesus will come again for a glorious church. We have to step over into that place. What does that mean? A church that gives him glory. A life that gives him glory. A life when we look at our own life, we can say, I am doing this for God this year. And I say it this way, come hell or high water, because both are coming. And I've just learned I don't have to speak it out for it to come. The devil will see to it that that, ha- why? He's, he's in charge of things in this world. When people say God's in charge of everything, they don't know their Bible. See, Jesus gave us authority to take authority over the devil. But if we don't, the devil takes control over us. And sometimes that's why life gets out of order. We give him too much room. Well, if you've been here, if you sit under the teaching, you already know that principle. I'm not going to teach it again this morning. But open vision was the standard in the Old Testament by which all governing decisions were made in the kingdom of God. God couldn't do what was next until people submitted to what he had told them to do. So when I talk about coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land to establish God's nation, his people, Israel, I'm talking about the same kind of thing that we have to do. The one thing God wants from you this year is what will most release blessing and divine order in your life. See, we can we can receive things from God and life still be out of order and it gets more hectic instead of more peaceful. Scripture says when we have the mind and plan of the Lord Jesus, our life will be flooded with grace and peace. Grace comes so we can keep God first. Peace comes because we are determined to do so and we keep looking at, I am doing this for God and he's going to, he's going to take care of me and the rest. I'm doing this for him and as I walk into the promise, my shoes are not going to wear out and my clothes are not going to wear out. And I'm not going to go hungry and I'm not going to remember all the things that happened to Israel as they went into the promised land. Things that should have worn out didn't. Things that should have broke down didn't. You know, there, there was not one sick or feeble among their tribe. What was the key to that? They were going to fulfill God's vision. It took them a long time because they kept stumbling. And a whole generation fell by the wayside, but a generation entered in. I want to believe that we're those that are entering in. Not first for the milk and honey or the giant grapes and all the stuff that they experienced. Not to focus on the giants and the challenges and the problems. Look beyond all of that. Your spiritual vision will cause the giants to look like grasshoppers and you to look like the giant. And that's what God wants to instill in his people. That we are great and mighty only because he lives great and mighty in us. That he gives us first place only because we have already given him first place. That he blesses us first because we have put him first. 
And we want to hang on to that and understand we're in a covenant. Without putting him first, we have no right to any of the covenant. I want you to know that. We can't enjoy the benefits without putting him first. We will fall in the wilderness. Well, it's kind of quiet right there. I figured that. I want to tell a story briefly from 1 Samuel 3 from the Old Testament to illustrate what I'm talking about. This is uh, uh, Eli and Samuel in accounting. Eli was an old priest prophet leader in the Old Testament church. Samuel was a, a little child who was consecrated and dedicated as a little child before he was conceived and before he was born by his mother. His mother said, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him back to you. And she ended up taking him to Eli, taking Samuel to Eli when he was a young child. But it says Samuel, when he came to Eli, didn't know the Lord yet. He knew about him, but he didn't have a direct relationship with the Lord now, Samuel was coming to coming in to be trained to be a priest. He was coming in to hear from heaven so he could be a prophet. He was coming in to fulfill a leadership role in what was then the, 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 the family of God, the people of God, Israel. So as he, he came in and didn't know the Lord, in the middle of the night, the Lord started to speak to him and eventually Eli told Samuel, uh, that's God visiting you. So the next time God came to speak to little Samuel, he said, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. You want this to be a year like that. You want this to be a year to be listening to the Lord, especially as we enter the year. Lord, what is the one thing that will bless you that I can do for you? Don't worry about it being a long list. There's one significant thing in this season of your life that in doing it, it blesses God and it releases his destiny into your life to roll forward. See, we can try to do everything right in our daily life and still miss God's destiny and we end up frustrated. We end up as the people of God feeling like, why are all these things happening to me? Because when we don't put him first, temporal things begin to take over. When the first thing is first, our future is consecrated. So I want to encourage you in this season. You say, I've never heard of this in my life. It's Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, I'm so thankful it's not by the law. It's by grace so our life will be filled with peace. It's not because we are ultimately consecrated and do everything right. It's because Jesus' righteousness paid the price for us to enter in positionally and say, I'm going to do something for God in my current state, no matter how I feel about me, no matter how raunchy my last year was, no matter how many times I have made mistakes for him, I'm coming in consecrated and separated unto him. And because of what Jesus did, God's going to use me. See, that's right thinking. When we think that way, it says, ooh, I've got somebody who understands redemption. And we give him our first. Did you know he's just, he's really after the first, not all. I hear people all the time, oh, you got to give him all. No, you got to give him your first. And what will happen is first will become the biggest thing in your life when you give him the first place. He'll begin to motivate you by what he does through you and change your life. Now, there was no open vision in this season, so really what was happening in, in, in this Old Testament story is Samuel was coming in, going to be the carrier of open vision in the next generation. Eli was going to be stepping aside. He was going to be ending his role, but Samuel was coming into his place. Understand that that's a picture of your temporal life and your spiritual life. You have a temporal life that has maybe led you in most of your decisions up till now. You have a spiritual life that depends on one thing concretely, that you hear the voice of Jesus in your life, that you choose to acknowledge him when he speaks and do the one thing that he asks. I've learned when I do the one thing, he'll give me another thing. But when I don't do the one thing, I won't hear very well what's next. So this will help open our spiritual ears to hear more clearly. God said he would do something, and Scripture says it just this way. God's going to do something to make both ears of every hearer tingle. He didn't say he would say something. He said he would do something. He was going to do something through Israel 
that Samuel was, was going to be able to bring, that Samuel was going to be able to lead into, that Samuel was going to have revelation on, that God was going to do that would make ears tingle. Understand how spiritual things work. It's more about the doing than the saying when it comes down to people seeing your testimony. It's about what God is doing and what you are doing for him. See, sometimes we think our testimony first is what God is doing for us and how he's blessed us. That is a type of testimony, but it's a temporal one. There's one that's more eternal, and it's what you are doing for God. And God has a way of fulfilling the testimony that you put out for him. I've learned to say what I want to do for the Lord before I get it done. I've learned to say it out of my mouth and even make commitment statements to that fact this year. I will be doing this with the Lord and for the Lord. And I'll share it with faith-filled people around me. Why? I, I like faith-filled people. That's my preferred audience when I'm sharing something I'm going to get done. Why? They'll help, help empower it. When people are doubt-filled, they'll just shake their head and say, Really? Are you crazy? <laughs> Sometimes what God wants from you will sound crazy to the untrained person. But the person who walks in faith is going to hear it, and they're going, they're going to have their ears tingle at the thought of you doing it. But when you really do it, it makes every ear tingle. What does it say? There's a way God wants to get attention through your life that makes everybody's ears tingle by what he's going to do through you. Not what you just say. Well, I'm standing on this scripture. That's great. But in the doing, people turn their heads. And it says it, it makes their ears tingle. Why? Their spiritual ears become open to what God is doing because he's doing something through you. I found a remarkable thing what people most wanted to hear about from me this year all happened when I got back from Guatemala. I had more people ask me questions about that trip than anything going on in life this year. Why? There were some things that could make their ears tingle. That's why. Now, God wants to do that for all of us, and he, he does that in a season where we begin to cry out for open vision. When I talk about open vision, you can, you can receive bits of it by what I have to say. But your best equipping for open vision is to tap into what God's overarching thing is that he's wanting to do and connect with it somehow. And ways we connect is sometimes we're a part of what somebody else is doing. Other times he will raise us up to accomplish something for the Lord Jesus. Now, Samuel began at this point to serve the Lord with his life. He began to live in the temple. He did this for many, many, many years. He helped fulfill the role of Eli who went before him. He didn't get in a hurry to go out and do something on his own. Now, I want to now shift over to the New Testament because we're, we're, we're a New Testament church. In the Old Testament, things were done according to the law. In the New Testament, they're done according to the law of grace, the law of the New Testament, the New Covenant. New Testament means New Covenant. So in the Old Testament, they had to do things just right or they were in trouble with God all the time. Jesus took away the trouble and he just wants us to do right because we love him. And when we do right because we love him, we can experience life in, in its best and most fulfilling way. Jesus called that the more abundant life in John 10. He said, the thieves come to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have a more abundant life. More is very open-ended. It's what we want to make of it. Today you can say, well, I, I'm not a preacher. I don't want an eternal agenda. Well, then you'll have less of more. See, I'm trying to share with you something that preachers should know. Not everybody knows this, I've discovered. The key to more is finding out what it is God wants. More of Him, more of an understanding of His Word, more of an understanding of how to get things done for Him in the earth. And all of that leads to eternal things, which means when you get to heaven, you won't be disappointed. You, you'll see heaven as, as a gateway into, man, I'm glad I lived for Jesus while I was there. I'm glad I embraced more instead of less. I'm glad that though pastor aggravated the fire out of me sometimes, he got through on a few points. And one was if I do something for Jesus, it counts forever. If I do more for Jesus, it's going to count a lot more forever. If I really want to go the extra mile, I'll win people into the family for Jesus. And somehow there's an eternal inheritance attached to that. So, well, that's good for preachers. Well, that wasn't written to preachers. That's written to New Testament believers. 
believers ministry. Now this is from 2 Peter chapter 1 and I'm going to begin in verse 14 then I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I like to do it that way. But let's understand who, who Peter is. Peter's an apostle writing an epistle writing a, a general letter, a general letter to churches for church folks to understand how to benefit from things that he has learned. But Peter is also still a businessman. Peter is a wealthy businessman that has succeeded in two ways. At some point in his life, he had to decide to put Jesus first. But remember that Peter also denied Jesus three times, even when he said he never would, right before Jesus went to the cross. Peter had some real denial issues when it came to the will of God. He really messed some things up. I'm so glad Peter wrote me this letter so that I can understand God redeems us from the times in our life when our ignorance caused us to really make a mess of something. If you've never had a moment like that in your life, get ready, buckle up. You're going to have a moment where you recognize, gee, I need to reprioritize my life. That's the beginning of the gospel. It's good news that tells us there's still hope for us. I like to think about that at the beginning of every year. There's still hope. God's still redeeming. He still keeps me in the, in the center of, of his hand that way. But Peter is, is, Going back and forth, he's still managing a business. And this is, this is historically proven in Jewish archives. I'm not making something up or having wishful thinking. But uh, the Bible tells us about Peter's ministry more than his personal life. But he had both. We all have both. Some people are called to more of a ministry life and, and, and an open fivefold ministry than others. And Peter ended up being one of those. But he didn't fret. He didn't worry about it. In fact, he had a hard time making it into the place of ministry, especially after he denied Jesus so openly. But he ended up in the right place. He ended up honoring the Lord. But he kept coming home. He kept coming back to his house. They say one of the biggest in old Jerusalem. They found it. They, they've identified that it's his house. 99% sure. He was prospering. He was blessed. But he was first an apostle. At this stage, when he's writing this letter, he had grown in spiritual things. And he had discovered what I'm trying to teach you today as a principle. When we put God first, then he blesses the rest and we end up fulfilling God's eternal will. And he blesses our socks off in the temporal will. When people say things like, well, if you're going to serve Jesus, you won't have anything. They've not read the New Testament. They don't understand. We're not in the Old Covenant law. We're in the New Testament. The New Testament is Jesus paid a price for us to be blessed, but he wants us to put him first. That's never changed. Putting God first is still putting God first. Now, you will have to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what that means for you. It's meant different things to me at different stages of my life. Why? My ears were only open to hear so much for a while. Why? I, I wanted to also achieve, achieve, achieve. And uh, the, the wonderful work ethic of Illinois sometimes works a reversal spiritually where uh, we, you can find as much work around here as you want and more than you want. And if you're innovative and creative, you'll do really well if you're dedicated to that work. And I'm glad of that. I'm glad we're in a place like that. But if we're not careful, we'll forget. We're eternal. Now, the second Peter 1.14, Peter writing uh, this knowing he's about to go to heaven, he said, knowing I'm about to depart for heaven, I will tell you never to forget these things, though you think you already know them. So I read something like that in the Bible, go, what are the things? <laughs> I, I better know, what are they, why? Uh, th this is a, a man fully successful in both realms that really messed things up along the way, but he's learned something about what's right in a way to live. I want to listen to somebody like that. I look, I'm glad his track record was in there. It would have been real easy to leave that story out. You know, all, all the gospel writers could have got together and said, don't include that part where we messed up, you know. We don't need to tell. But that was the part they really needed to include. Otherwise, we would think the people God would choose to use are just this blessed little separated group that's always made right decisions. There's no such person. Jesus was that person. Now, that, that's what it means by, by us coming in by his righteousness. He did it right so we can connect with what he did right and pick up where he left off, doing right, doing good. Now, uh, he gave us a, a, a pathway, and that's what this really is in 
First Peter's a pathway to open vision, a pathway to get connected with God's desire. Real faith in God will increase first our grace and peace. I've learned every time I find a piece of the will of God, I get a little overwhelmed. Then I have to say, God, it sure doesn't look like this is going to fit or work. It looks like it's too much for me to handle. And I start to pray for the grace of God that I'm able to do it and make it work. That I don't have to drop everything and all of my priorities and all of my commitments. Lord Jesus, you're going to give me the grace, supernatural ability to do this because you want it. And you know what my life looks like. So I'm going to commit to do this for you. And you're going to fix everything that's in the way. You're going to deal with whatever I've made a mess that I didn't mean to make a mess. You're going to deal with my messes that I, I knew when I did it, it was making a mess. Yes. yes, some of both. We have some of both. Now, if that doesn't minister to you, listen to this. Simon Peter, who's writing this as a businessman and an apostle, was writing to them that have obtained like precious faith, people who wanted to believe the same way, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing a letter to people that know it will take Jesus' righteousness to fulfill his plan, that we tap into that and say, Jesus, you are right and you chose me and that's enough for me. That's understanding Jesus' righteousness. Not letting what we did yesterday or last year or how old we are or anything else stop us or slow us down. Then he tells us the result of falling into God's perfect will, his plan. Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. Grace and peace, not added, multiplied. What does that say about God's plan and open vision for you? It'll take more than you to do it. I've learned when it's God always takes more than me to do it. I look at it and say, this is a little me. <laughs> and this is you, great big God. And somewhere in the middle, there's Jesus. And what did he do? He was the greatest gap filler of all time. He made the difference and stood in the gap for us. Now, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Through the knowledge of God. What knowledge of God would that be? That'd be the knowledge of God's desire for you right now, this year. To get that peace right, grace is multiplied and peace is multiplied. What does that mean? God gives me ability I don't have on my own. God, you want this from me? Do you know what my life looks like? He's just nodding. Yeah, I'm trying to help it look better. I'm trying to change the nature of your life to more supernatural the natural. I'm trying to give you the ability to, to see beyond yourself. See, when we begin to see God and see beyond ourselves, it opens up our heart to receive more from him. Now, through the knowledge of God and our, our Jesus, our Lord. Now, this is a, a man that's experienced blessing both ways. That's why I point out he's a businessman. He obviously did well. He had people working for him. Yet he didn't stay anchored to his business. At some point, he was able to go out and minister. Do you think that was smooth and easy? Never. Why? You got to put God first. It'll, it'll be tough. But he's saying how he did it. He said, I had to tap into the grace of God. And then I had the peace of God. The peace of God means even in the middle of the storm, you know it's gonna, you're going to get across the lake. It doesn't mean everything's peaceful. I, I don't want you to be deceived and think you'll, you do what I say and consecrate this season and life will just be no more troubled waters. No, your peace will come from the inside and you'll speak to the troubled water. Peace, be still, Amen. you water. And from the inside of you will come the peace of God to calm the water. Why? Because you're going across the lake into God's perfect will. That's a way to see the season ahead. What is that? That's a prophetic picture that the Holy Spirit's using. Now, the more we know Jesus, the more he gives us this grace and peace to accomplish his far-reaching plan. Understand what God's grace is first for. It's for you to do his will. That's what it's first for. Then it floods over into the rest of life where he blesses the rest. His far-reaching desire is to, to win the earth into his family before Jesus comes again. 
to see people set free, saved, delivered, set free, healed, and trained and taught everywhere. That's what Jesus commissioned us to do. We're part of that. Now, hearing God's word will, will increase in us a, a right living, right, uh, right kind of living and character comes. I'm just going to follow this along because there are several points I want to make. First being that grace and peace will come by shifting over into what is his peace. What is his plan? Otherwise, there's not grace or peace. See, when you go to make decisions, if you, you don't have a, a peace, you're supposed to follow after the peace of God. We have to back up and say, all right, God, what do you want at this point in my life? What is it I can do to honor you? Hearing God's word will increase right living by, by God's exceeding great and precious promises that we've received. We might be partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? Uh, supernatural living. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. In other words, the world won't have a hold on you. God will have a hold on you. Now, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. There's that phrase through the knowledge of him. What's important to God? What's important to him is the bit of knowledge that we need to make all the difference. See, a lot of times people say, uh, Pastor, can you just get in your, your, your prayer mode and prophesy over me what's supposed to be? No. Well, I'm not taking responsibility for what's supposed to be for you. That's for you to desire enough to ask him your own self. And through the knowledge of him, so the knowledge he gives is what you want, not what somebody else gives. See? Now, first we adopt godly character by doing his word. He's telling us where to start is to work on being, being like Jesus. He shares that next, that adopting Jesus' character releases long-range vision. This is what he says next in verse 5. And besides this, giving all your diligence, add progressively to your faith virtue. In other words, you start with faith. But then you add virtue. What's virtue? Doing right, being right, living right, thinking right. For if these things be in you and abound, what things? Knowledge, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. He's saying that if we build on that character, our spiritual eyes will be opened. Your spiritual eyes aren't open to God's plan just by praying. But by first saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like my master. I want what he loves to be what I love. I want what he hates to be what I hate. I want to be motivated the same way that he is. And he tells us these are the things that we look at to see how we're doing. Brotherly kindness and love. He ends with love, yet most people teach you begin with love. No, you can't love without going through the, getting the character traits of Jesus. When we become more like him, we are able to love God's way. You know where scripture says, love your enemies? Try to do that without having the character of Jesus. You'll say, God, I'm loving your en my enemies just like you said to. I just don't feel it. I'm forgiving, but I don't feel it. I have self-control, but you know what I did yesterday. Lord Jesus, I'll start self-control tomorrow. I want to get in the refrigerator. You know, just all the silly things. Now, why? Well, we, we want the character without embracing the person. See, it's not in us to have his character. It's in him. And we got we to gotta say, Jesus, I make you Lord over me. Now, for if these things be in you and abound, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge. Where's the knowledge come from? Becoming more like Jesus looking at these traits and saying, Jesus, you're going to do that in me. I'm going to cooperate with you. And you'll not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes well, we, you know, we, we might hear a message like today and think, Pastor's trying to motivate me or Pastor's trying to inspire me. No, I'm trying to show you revelation because I, I've learned people are not long-term motivated or inspired. It's only short-term and it doesn't last. When we're going to do something for God that lasts because he revealed it to our own self. I used to say this way. When he reveals it to me, my own self, I become responsible or I become a rebel. I have to choose. So you see, I can't 
do the work of God in you. I can just present what he's saying. And then you do the asking and you'll find yourself in that same place where I'm either going to be responsible or I'm going to know I'm in rebellion. And you know what? I believe God's kids want to be responsible. Now, if these things are in you and abound, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if I focus on Jesus' character, he's going to tell me what I need to know. If he shows you that you have a, a forgiveness issue, get a hold of his forgiveness. Say, Jesus, I may not be feeling it, but I'm obeying you anyway. And you said the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. And I'm falling in place with willing and obedient. And you're going to help my emotions and how I feel about this. Why? He has to heal what hurt you. He's got to do some healing work in there. So not feeling it is real, but it is not the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. Jesus, you said forgive, and I'm willing, and I'm being obedient, and I'm doing it. Now, that's true with anything. But he that lacks these things, and this is, this is the key, he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off. What's Peter saying? There's only one way to see spiritually. And it's not nearsightedness. It's not looking at what God can do for me. It's what can I do for God. It's how do I give my life back to him. He says we're, we're blind spiritually until we have our eyes open with that one thing. I'm going to tell you something I know to be a key to this year that's a pivotal year. You want your spiritual eyes opened to see afar off. What does that mean? Understand Jesus' far-reaching vision is to win the world to him. Understand that he placed you right where you are. He knows where you are in life. He knows who you know. He knows who wants to know you. He knows how to make those connections. And he has put you there for this to be a pivotal year for you to embrace first while you're in the earth. It's to bless God. He didn't send you here so you would learn how he could bless you. You didn't have to experience earth to learn how to be blessed by God. You just need to go to heaven for that. So why did he put us here? Because we're his agency. We're his chance of the plan being fulfilled. We are the people he's chosen that can either choose to connect or not to connect. I know one thing when I get to heaven I don't want to be guilty of. It's that the bulk of my life was about God blessing me. I want to make sure that I, I, I flip it around good enough that when I get there, the majority of my heart represents what I could do for him. I say, well, that's a pre No, that's a believer's job. So I'm just sharing with you what will turn the tide. We're, we're in a world, and I'll say this without, without becoming... Uh, prophetic. Later in the series, I know the Lord will uh, have me speak some things out. I'm not doing that right now. I'm just telling you, I'm laying some groundwork for you to begin to talk to the Lord about this year. If we'll make the, the one cry of our heart to be, Jesus, how can I bless you? He'll begin showing us where we need to work on character. Then he'll open our eyes to what's next. Understand he will never skip the character when people say they can live any kind of way and still walk in the blessing of God, they're ignorant and the truth is not in them. They not know what they're talking about. It's understanding this truth that sets us free into God's will. He wants us to have the character of Jesus. That's why he sent him. So we could learn his character. And as we embrace his character, we see people, we see life differently. Most people experience this. The older they get, the more their priorities change. Things that used to be important in your 20s and 30s aren't so important in your 40s and 50s. When you get to knocking on 60, things that were important in your 40s are starting to grow strangely dim. Rather than looking at our natural chronology, let's understand the plan of God as we mature spiritually. Things that used to be important, we recognize that wasn't really, God didn't even have that in mind for me. I wanted that. I wonder what did he want? And we start to think about that and think, gosh, have I totally missed You've not totally missed it. You're having a great God moment. God, take me where I am and beat me with your grace and open my eyes to be like Jesus. And then you can open my eyes to what you want me to do. You'll never get God's supernatural will without embracing the character and person of Jesus. Why? He said we cannot see afar off. This is Peter who couldn't see it just a few years before he wrote this. 
when he was with Jesus denying him and the, the cock was crowing and everybody's looking, oh, Peter, you said you weren't going to mess this up. You sure messed. I wonder how he felt for a while. Jesus is in the redeeming business. Now, God gives long-range vision that gives us an entrance into his will for our life in the moment. You may not know how to see way out there. You, you won't develop that kind of vision right away. You'll develop just seeing past your natural life a little bit. What I'm asking of you to do is just look beyond the day-to-day -day and say, God, what do you want this year? What's the focus I'm to have that will bless you, Jesus? What is it you want to do in me to, to make me more like you? Because as soon as you do that, he will reveal to you. He'll open your eyes to see a little further out. And you'll be able to look back one day and say, it's been really good to be led by the Holy Spirit for this many years. Now, he says in verse 10, give diligence. He's telling us how in the preceding verses. Give diligence to make your calling and your, your elections sure. That means... Uh, if you're going to do anything, get this piece right. Know what it is God wants. What is he calling you to do for him? Why, what he's calling you to do when you begin doing it will cause ears to tingle around you. What kinds of things happen if you're in business is you'll suddenly become noticed because God will cause somebody's ears to tingle. And you'll be discovered. Somebody's ears will tingle that would never receive you or hear from you or forgive you. Somebody's ears will tingle that's never given you a second glance and all of a sudden you're the most interesting, captivating person and they wonder if they're to marry you. Say, really, Pastor? Yep, yep. There's ways to, to enter into God's perfect will. What does he do? He, he causes people to respond that have not had their spiritual hearing open before, including our own. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure because if you do these things, you shall never fall. What a promise. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. For so an entrance shall be ministered. I want to caution on a couple things and we're going to close. We're laying groundwork so I'm following a teaching format and I'm being careful to stick with it. He said if we'll do these things, he will minister an entrance. Don't go making decisions based on opportunities. You will miss God. Make your decisions based on what, why he said, if we do these things, we shall never fall. And this is a man who had fallen and God redeemed him from the fall of denying Jesus three times to now he's a successful businessman and fulfilling the full plan of God for his life. And he would now say he's an apostle with a business. What do we want to be when we get to heaven? What God named us and then some? Or what we chose and not know what he named us? See, when we get to heaven, it says that we'll have a new name written on a white stone and he hands it to us. I think when we get there, we ought to kind of understand what's going to be on that stone. It has to do with who he called us to be. Why? That's what it means to be named, if you didn't know. It means who are you called to be? I believe God has some extraordinary revelation for all of us this year. I believe that it is life-changing. We are in a pivotal moment. Something the Lord ministered to me last year is coming into uh, the, the, the turn into 2020. would be about shift and change. There would be radical shifting and changing. Uh, I've been praying that in and seeing that in my heart. I want today for God to meet you right where you are. And begin to minister to you the character of Jesus in your life to open your eyes to what's next. So how do I do that? Find out what he's telling people that are ahead of you a little bit. It's a good way to, to, to have a, a, an idea of what the entrance looks like. It'll always please Jesus. It'll make you be more like him. It'll stretch you away from everything that you could do on your own to have to trust him. It's going to bless and cause his redeeming power to come into the lives of other people. It's going to bring people into the family of God. It's going to see others be blessed because of your efforts. And more importantly than anything, what I know that he's told me about uh, this year, he wants to do some things.
that make the people around you have their ears tingle. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we commit to you this season and are so thankful that you love us and care for us and you're watching out for us. Heavenly Father, today as we, we come before you, this is a season of dedication and consecration. We come and we present our lives such as they are. You want to anoint it. You want to make it better. Father, you want to redeem us from all destruction and we receive that in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that even today, there's a working in our hearts to be able to receive more of what you desire. Father, you want us to turn to you again and say, God, here I am again. I give you this year. I give you my life this year. Show me what it is you want me to do. Show me what it is that when I obey you, it causes people around me to suddenly have their ears open. But even before their ears are open and tingling, you're going to open my eyes to see myself in your plan. Father, rather than being dissatisfied or being tired and upset all the time, I'm going to have a goal in mind that you say is my focus. I'm going to look at that point of reference and I'm going to keep looking back at that saying, Jesus, I'm doing this for you no matter what. And when hell comes against us, we'll do it no matter what. When high waters come, we'll do it no matter what. And your spirit, like a flood, will come in and press away, push away the refuse and the garbage of the enemy. Father, I thank you for freeing us from the clutter and causing our lives to be an open book before you, the book that you have authored that you want to finish. We yield to your perfect will. I thank you for an anointed church. Father, we're anointed hearers. That means you've prepared us to hear your word because you are embracing us into your plan. Father, I thank you that there will not be any confusion and not any kind of evil work against your family, against living word, against anybody that calls this their family and their church home. Father, I thank you that we enter in the fullness of what you have for us this year and we thank you that that's happening. We receive it by faith because God is good Jesus has done the work the enemy has been defeated and our position in Christ is now to enter into a place of promise we'll not look to the past but we'll look to the future embracing you knowing all things work together for the good of those that are called according to your purpose and we embrace your purpose this morning whether we understand it yet or not we say I want to be in your purpose and plan I want to do what you put me here to do I want to be a blessing to you Lord Jesus and then why and then see the salvation of God yet again in Jesus name we pray amen well I'm going to open the altar in just a moment you're still seated on purpose but I'm going to have you stand in a minute but you'll be, be standing to go if you want to go if you want prayer you just come to the altar we'll pray with you whenever we minister along a certain lines always we're there at altar time to, to pray even when I say you can go or it's a Wednesday night I always linger and kind of wait out in the front. Why do I do that? Just to be available if you want to, to pray about something. I want to encourage you again, just consider this a special season before the Lord of entering into something better and begin to talk to God about it. But if you want prayer, I'm going to say this particularly, and I, I prayed kind of this way last Sunday for residue to be broken off. I'm praying differently uh, today that your spiritual eyes be open. To know what it is that God wants. Well, that's the revelation that makes all the difference. We can get rid of the junk of the past. But unless we have God's vision for the future. We find ourselves full of junk again. Dealing with junk again. I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't want a junky ear. I don't want a bunch of stuff. Or I, I, I want life to get better and smoother. And accomplish the plan of God. Well stand to your feet if you will. I'd like you to, to take the hand of somebody near you. Unless you don't like them or you're scared of them. Then find somebody that you're not scared of. I know in, in, in common days, people don't do things like this a lot in church. We're, we're coming into a place of unity with God's vision. That's, see, part of God's vision is what's He want to do as a whole. It's not just individuals. Today we touched on individuals. He's got a plan for all of us together. And that happens when we each one focus on ourselves. Then God creates a focus in the bigger picture. That was shared earlier. I thought it was a remarkable and wonderful example. Father, thank you for blessing your people. I pronounce a blessing over your people this morning. Father, I thank you that our eyes will be open. Father, our, our, our ears may need to tingle. But Father, you've put us here that the ears of the world be tingling. Wondering, what did I just hear? What was that about? What did that guy say? What did that, what happened to them? How They're saying God did that? Does God do stuff like that today? God healed their body. Are you kidding me? God caused them to start that business. Really? God would, yeah, he's, uh, 
He's going to fulfill calling in dual planes. So I can't help myself, but when I begin to pray that way, the Holy Spirit begins to bubble up on the inside of me. So he said, well, Pastor, why do you, you do that in public? I can't help myself. I'm not really doing that for your benefit. or I'm just That's just how I pray. But Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you cause our ears to be opened wherever they've been stopped up. Father, take the cataracts away from our spiritual eyes that we can see. Father, let us enter into a place this year of fullness of joy because we understand what it is you're saying to us. Father, thank you that this life will get better and better because we put you first in Jesus' name. We pray that today you are challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go2lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.